Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown from caregiving.com. This is Caregiving in the News, a monthly podcast during which my guests and I talk about issues and topics that have hit the news, and we talk about it in terms of how does it affect us as family caregivers and as professionals who work with family caregivers. We've got a couple hot topics today, so we're going to start the conversation right away. So let me tell you about the guests that join me every month for our special podcast. Ann Tumlinson founded Daughterhood and is also a longtime researcher and aging expert in Washington, D.C. Hi, Ann. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi. Great to be here. And Susan Rowe works with Ann at Daughterhood. She is the Daughterhood Programs Coordinator, and she has been with Daughterhood since its inception in January 2015. Hi, Susan. Thanks for being with us today. Hi, Denise. Great to be here. So we're going to talk about Honor. That's what we're going to start with. So Honor is a company and a startup in the San Francisco area. They launched just a little over three years ago. They launched with significant venture capital backing. It's, gosh, I think within a few months of its launch, it seemed like they were up to $60 million in venture capital funding. They had an update that was released in the news in May, and it turns out that their initial concept is not working. (laughs) What they started (laughs) off as, which was a home care agency, and their decision to innovate the home care space has turned out to be more difficult than they thought. So now they've done what we call a pivot. They've shift. They've made a shift. They've gotten even more money, and I think they're up to a little over $100 million of investment money. And now what they're creating is a technology platform for home care agencies. So they used to be a provider of home care services, and now they're actually providing technology that home care agencies can use in running their operations. Okay, and so... (laughs) What do yeah. we think about this? I mean, there's so much to think about. What do we think there about is. this? Yeah, so I guess I just, first of all, I, I just want to say that when Honor launched, they launched with a slew of similar, you know, startups. All of a sudden, there was Home Hero, Honor, Home Team. You know, this, there was just this influx of venture capital funding into this idea that we needed to reinvent the home care product. And, I, you know, and I'll just say, like, it, you know, somebody who has had family members interact with this, you know, the, you know, kind of the experience of having to get a home care aid for a family member – I think there's a lot of room, there was a lot of room to do it better. Um, but, but <laughs> you know, at the same time, every single one of these organizations essentially was a, at the heart of it was a man <laughs> who'd had, you know, a lot of success in a previous uh, life as a technology entrepreneur um, that had one experience with caregiving 
you know, and a copy of the demographic tables that said everybody was getting old and was able to convince all these rich men that there's this huge opportunity. Uh, they didn't talk to that many actual caregivers, and they definitely didn't really analyze the market because if they had, what they would have realized is that, first of all, home care is a really local, really, yeah. you know, there's a reason yeah. why all the home care, you know, mm-hmm. successful home care organizations are franchises because it takes somebody yes. who really knows a local community to be successful, and we see that with daughterhood circles. We see that in every work that we all do. You need to yes. be local. This is a scalable business. And the other thing, and this is the thing that I just, I, I'm so excited to be able to say on this podcast, which is this, you know, they didn't ever stop to think that the vast majority of Americans who really need home care cannot afford to pay for it. We do not have a financing system for long-term care in this country. And what I really wish is that instead of plowing $50 million more dollars into a business that is now shifted, by the way, from selling directly to people who need services to selling to other businesses. So they've gone from B to C, B to, B to C, what we call B to C, which means business to consumer, to B to B, business to business. And that instead of doing that with a new influx of dollars, what if all these rich guys out in Silicon Valley actually thought for a moment about putting that money towards social change, the social yes. change that we need to yes. actually create a better system. And and, yes. and the final thing I'll say without, you know, going, uh, you know, you know, being declared as being completely insane, you know, I feel like in this <laughs> current political, I mean, I'm always asking myself in this current political climate, and I'm going to shut up in a minute, but I'm reading this book called Bad Blood, which I highly recommend that everybody read, but it's about, it's about a similar situation. Well, it's not similar because it was actually total fraud, but, you know, this young, talented Stanford student has, you know, schnookered all of these really rich guys out of their money on the promise of this glitzy idea. And, I mean, that's been, that's not that uncommon, but the fact that there is so much money just sort of available to be tossed into these like very ill-conceived and yes. you know ideas that ha- that don't take into account what's going on in the real world or what's really possible just demonstrates mm-hmm. you know I think kind of the moral um, like vacuum that we have in this country right now um, and you know I, I just think like you know would it could we have, you know, that Silicon Valley tech entrepreneurs kind of view themselves as the saviors, and, and they and they really think that they're better than the system that they're operating in. And and what if they instead had just been willing to actually put money towards improving the overarching sort of situation system that we're in? So that's my really huge, gigantic, you know stake in the heart of this whole thing I just I'm disappointed and um but not really surprised okay Susan what do you think well it's very interesting of course so here's the layman's point of view as I read this article you know there's the fake news and then there's the convoluted news I on the surface on my first 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 look at this it seems like they did they were doing what daughterhood circles did which was realize that 
when we would get when we would get all kinds of emails and contacting people all over the country asking for specific specific services in their community, we realized that we weren't there and we needed to have some sort of support system on the ground there. And that was the whole concept of, of circles. And it sounds like at first, first glance, this pivot was they realized that they couldn't expand into markets where they didn't know the, the, you know, what was available there. And so it looks like this great thing. And then you read between the lines and, and like Ann said, they failed at what they did previously and trying to do it themselves. So now they're selling the technology to other people. That bothers me. Um, and at the same time, this combined with an other article I was looking at that we had talked about with Humana, it, it, it makes you realize that the one thing they are getting right is that the whole idea of the population getting older with a broken healthcare system and that this is an example of private technology going in to try to plug the gap, realizing that there's a great profit to be made in it. Nothing wrong with that on the surface other than it looks like they've plugged the wrong gap. <laughs> So that's a great way of putting thing. it. And, and, and it scares me. And, and because at the same time, it makes you realize how wonderful some of the programs we have, like, like hospice and Medicare, they can be amazingly powerful, Helpful. wonderful programs put together by people that are really trying to make social change in a good way and how they can be, you know, how they need to be supported and how, Private industry always isn't the answer. When it when, yeah, when, right. particularly when when when, when right. such a huge profit margin is involved. <laughs> yeah. When Honor launched, I did a video chat with its CEO and founder. We had a couple phone conversations prior to having our video chat, and he talked about the pricing model that they had developed as a home care agency. They gave discounts if a family caregiver signed up and pre-purchased its services. And when he told me that, Mm -hmm. I thought, who in the world would give you $2,000 so that you could give them a $200 break? Who does that? Who pays for home care? Who has the money to do that? Right. It just just seemed like they didn't get it, like at all. Yeah, and, and you, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, there's a I, there's a couple other things too. As I think about it, they actually then created partnerships with associations like the Parkinson's Association. Yep. And I think now, what happens to that association? And I will tell you that a disease-specific organization is going to think twice when a company says, "Let's partner." Be you know, yeah. we want to be your number one recommended provider. The danger in all this is for us left behind because they've created something that's not going to work and it makes everybody skittish about, well, it's not going to work because it didn't work with honor. Uh, Yeah, and there was – so what was interesting, Anne, was when you were talking about these, these technologists who actually had had success in previous lives, and I knew about Seth because he had created technology that I used in my business. I loved it. I loved his mm. previous product. And it right. wasn't something that he could recreate. And we know that that model that was so popular three years ago did not work for anyone who tried it. They all pivoted. Right. The amount of money that right. was lost in that is sinful. And I think about research. Oftentimes, 
something is researched over and over and over. It's so frustrating. And yep. probably about 10 years ago, I finally wrote a blog post that said, if you're going to research caregiving issues or a disease-specific cure, you should earmark 10% that goes to, to help today's family caregivers. If, if you're going to spend that amount of money on mm. something that might not work, you got to earmark something that's going to help today. And I think for right. a company that's Amen, coming into, sister. yeah, and what what if that was the same requirement for a company that's coming into this space, which we know has these huge, pressing, sad stories. I mean, it's devastating what families are going through. And if you're going yep. to get a lot of VC money to come in, and there's something about this social impact, why isn't that? 10% of that VC capital is ear, isn't earmarked for respite programs. So that right. even if you can't afford to give honor $2,000 to prepay for your home care, you're right. going to get some kind of benefit from it. Right. I, you well, know, you know I, it, I don't. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ann. I'll go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, I'm sorry. You know, I will. I mean, I, I just got all excited when you said that. And I, I, <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, here, here's the, the statistic that um, that's so shocking, which is that when uh, when we, you know, if you take all of the people in the country, and I may have said this on the last podcast because this is like my favorite statistic, um, who, who have who live at home and need a really high level of caregiving. So everybody in the country right now who, who is over the age of 65 and needs support for, you know, multiple activities of daily living, like they have to be helped with bathing and they have to be helped with dressing. So imagine all those people in the country who live at home right now, half of them, half of them at this moment in time are being cared for only by family caregivers. Half of them. So the other half are using a moderate, you know, a small to moderate amount of home care. This isn't because, you know, the we need to, like, I, we do need better home care and we do need to support home care workers, and there's a lot of people doing great work around that. But the fundamental missing piece in all of it is that the reason that they're in that situation is that they don't have any money to pay for it. The person who has a $2,000 to plunk down, you know, is very, very rare. <laughs> that's a very rare person. Um, and to build an entire model and raise $30 million off that, off the idea that that's available if you just offer a better product is very um, myopic, I think. But I just really like criticizing them. So, Can we interject the word replace pivot with failure? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, pivot yeah. is I mean, the technology. Yeah, the word for it didn't work. <laughs> we have to it do something work. else. We have to scramble. We have to scramble and figure out something else. And well, I'm going to use that in my own of, life. I pivot all the time. I pivot. Oh my gosh, Susan! I pivoted this morning. I did a beautiful pivot this morning. <laughs> I'm pivoting with my diet right now. But that's <laughs> you could pivot with your diet. That's a great idea. Uh, what was interesting is that Honor was going to change the efficiency of the home care system. It was going to be easier to connect with a paid caregiver that was a good match for your caree. The paid caregiver was going to be paid more, so there was going to be this 
greater loyalty. You would have someone that shows up that's well-trained, that's devoted, and kind and caring. Now, I don't mean to say that that doesn't happen anyway, but the promise was this was going to happen. About a year ago, I decided to read the reviews about what people said about honor, and it's the same reviews that you would see about other home care agencies. The aide showed up right. and didn't know how to provide care. The aide didn't show up, <laughs> so we right. had a scramble. We picked an aide and someone else showed up. It's the same problem the that same happened problem. within uh, our, uh. our industry. It's because this is a people industry. Right. The technology right. can't solve the people problem. That's right. I don't think. You know, I don't either, right. and I'll just say, like, as, as just a another, I, that's a great um, point, and I, you know, we see this all the time, and, you know, that there's this idea that we can reinvent, or whatever, you know, reinvent aging, we can reinvent this mm-hmm. experience, and that technology mm-hmm. is the answer, and and especially in the area of care management, you know, if everybody oh, just has an app, you know, oh, right? If we, just, if we just all oh, could just God. put an app in everyone's hands, oh. we would solve all the problems. Oh. And, you know, I know, right? But you know, what do we? What we? And it's funny, I was actually just on the phone before this with uh, one of my, one of the, um, actually care management organizations that I work with. It's trying really hard to. They're actually. This is the irony, right? They're actually trying to raise money right now to create a company that would actually put a primary care doctor, you know, in in the home, a mobile primary care doc in the home of somebody who's been recently discharged from the hospital and have that primary care doc working closely with the family caregiver to help support the management of that transition of care. And the reason why they're trying to invent this company and raise money is because all of these other approaches, these sort of high-tech, you know, we're going to come up with a magic algorithm um, and then connect everybody via an app, aren't, aren't working. You know, they, I mean, they're working to a certain degree, but there's, this is, at the end of the day, this is about taking care of people, and it requires yeah. other people. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. It seems almost yeah. the way people think of it. Yes. You know, can I tell you something that happened last week that just put me over the edge? Last week, yeah. I shared the results of this ongoing family caregiver stress survey that I do. So I have like 830-some family caregivers who have told us how stressed out they are, and why they're stressed. For some reason, just thinking about it now makes me want to cry. Going through this webinar for 45 minutes, sharing these stories of true heartbreak. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I know it. We all know it. But there was something about it being condensed to that 45 minutes. Afterwards, I was just like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And so I posted something on Twitter about raising money to send family caregivers to our conference in November. And some right. company posted a tweet that said, why don't you just have your family caregivers use our app to schedule <laughs> their team because we'll be able to keep them from being stressed. Well, oh, my oh. gosh. <laughs> so I wrote back and said, "That's scary." Uh, your app isn't going to help our stress. I know how to grocery shop for my mom. What I don't know how to do is deal with her declines, which break my heart. Right. And then yeah. I wrote a blog right. post about it because they don't Good. get it. If it was just about no. grocery shopping, <laughs> we wouldn't be right. stressed out. 
It is not. And you know what? You know what? What I think is, is, oh. is you're saying here, Denise, also is is that so at the root of this is connection. And yeah. I think the misplaced understanding of people that are trying to use the apps is it is a it is a noble effort. They're trying to help the connection because that's what it that's you know and and the people thing can't be discounted because that's why we're here. That's part of the reasons we're here on this earth to to to, to build our connections with each other and, and that connection between the dying and those that love them is so super powerful. So an app might help a little bit, but there, but there's no way it can ever outweigh the human equation. Or should no, right? no, no. It's just yep. really frustrating that they don't get that caregiving is an emotional journey. It is not right. about the tasks. It's about our emotions and how we feel. And honestly, there is no app that's going to coordinate my caregiving team that is going to get my older sister to help me. She is not going to help right. me. And, and telling right. her to there download an app is not going to get her to help out. She is not going right. to help. There, there right. is no or, app to solve that. That's right. Like my sister is uh, the challenge that we face is that um, is that my sister is very sensitive to feeling as though I'm bossy and controlling, oh. which I have, and I don't know why that would be an issue, right, Susan? I mean, <laughs> I'm never bossy or controlling. Um, it's like, you know, I'm just like Lucy, you know, in the stupid comic strip, and I have been my whole life. So, you know, so for my sister, the relationship, yeah, so the challenge is not, <clears throat> yes, so we have to find Will we have to find services and supports for my parents at some point? Yes. Will we? Do we have to navigate my mom's hip replacement surgery? Yes. All of those things are true, and there are challenges associated with them. But at the end of the day, the way we approach those so finding the solutions, like is the the hard part is in making sure we can work together as a team. That's not does it doesn't trigger our most basic insecurities and frustrations with each other from the day we were born. And that is yes. not anything an app can fit. Yeah. So. Not, no. And in many ways, the app, I think, just brings it out. It just right. becomes this highway to dysfunction. I, can, I yeah. can get to the dysfunction faster through an app. That I can if I just <laughs> if I just <laughs> vent to my younger sister first. Uh, right, yeah, exactly, I, exactly. And um, and it's yeah, it's the it's the gold rush, and it's just as you explained it when we started the podcast, Dan. They look at the numbers, they look at the dollar figure that the market is, and they think, mm-hmm. wow. No one's done right. this right. No one's na- made any money. We can be the ones to make the money. Right. And it's, right. it's such yep. a human yep. experience, as Susan talked about, that it's hard to solve that without taking into equation that human experience, the emotions. Yeah. That's what we struggle you, with. You know, I, I agree. And I, but I will, and I will say this, you know, I... I am, you know, in my heart of hearts, probably a capitalist. You know, I believe in, I believe in markets. Oh, yes. I mean, I don't know what yes. else to believe in. You know, so I don't pick that one. <laughs> Seems like the best, the worst of the, the best of the evils. But I, you know, I think capitalism and markets can't work 
when, you know, and this is maybe, you know, where my, I'm a Democrat too, so, you know, I think they need a framework. I think a market needs a framework and a market needs, you know, a, a relationship with the government that sets a stage for the markets to work, you know, kind of in service of the people as much as possible. And the problem with aging services and supports and healthcare delivery for frail older adults is that we don't have the right framing and we don't have the right system. And we have a lot of money, but we don't have the right system and the right framing. And so, you know, I think if we had those, if we, if we were, if we, we you know, had leadership in this country at the highest levels of business and government who are focused on creating that, then there'd be an awesome opportunity for really high performing, you know, startups to, to make money, which we would want because they've been delivering something of actual value. But right now they can't get, you know, those who are delivering something of actual value can't actually get, get paid because nobody has any money. And, you know, then we're just, we're generating all of this fluff around the edges. And, and, and so, you know, my, my great hope would be what if, you know, and, and what I don't understand why entrepreneurs and their investors don't understand is that if we had, you know, if everybody who had a, a need in the country had access to insurance that paid, you know, that provided them with resources to go into the marketplace and get the things that they needed, you know, they, we'd have a better, they'd have a better opportunity to make money. Yeah. So, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, right. Right. You know, uh, but nobody. But, but you know, I actually, the capitalist oh, thing. Do you think that? Do you think that it could be? Because I believe in that too. Do you think it could be self-correcting, and that the that the, the the this this being enamored with every every solution being a computerized solution will fall by the wayside when they see it doesn't work and doesn't make money, and they end up being, you know, falling apart. Will they will they start to 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 see what does work, or or do we come back to to what? That's you said a good about question. Heaven? Yeah, we should we should have a more hopeful message here. I think um, <laughs> you know. Well, this might be this might that. be a good this might be a good segue actually to um, another I think another um, story in the news um, that um, that Denise that you wanted us to talk about with Humana buying the hospice organization. Do you want to give a little preview of? I mean, you're in charge here, so see you understand my <laughs> sister's problem. Yeah, we um, talk. We got. We, so here's the thing. We've got like three minutes left, so we can quickly talk oh. about Humana. <laughs> Humana. We'll do, we'll do oh. what we can in the time oh, that we, we have. Need, we can we go, need over, more we time. go over a little over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let, maybe if you don't mind, I'll just say this, which is for, your, for the listeners that Humana is, a, is a, an insurance company that wants to be more what we call vertically integrated with providers of services and supports. And, and unlike the honor situation, I'm actually – very encouraged and positive about Humana buying hospice because what this gets to kind of like, you know, where could this all possibly go? And I think when organizations that are sort of in charge of dispersing the money that we do have, so we do have all these healthcare dollars and Medicare that don't typically pay for long-term services and supports, right? Like they don't pay for the honors typically, but where mm-hmm. Humana is positioning themselves is to say, Hey, you know, there's a lot of real value in providing good palliative and end-of-life care, and it's going to save yeah. a lot of money on unnecessary hospitalizations, and that money can be redirected into the care that's going to sort of sustain and improve overall 
quality of life for our members, and that's how we're going to be competitive. And I love that story, and I think that I'm, I remain cautiously optimistic that that is, in fact, what they'll be able to deliver on. Could I share just a couple quick stories? Yeah. One of, sure. Okay. One of the members of caregiving.com was caring for her mom as her mom was dying, and I was telling her this. The doctors were not telling her that. Her mom was hospitalized. She had stopped eating. So what do they do for her in the hospital? They pump her with potassium. They they pumped her with potassium. So what does she do? She just vomits for hours, hours and hours. The the next day she's discharged home. At the time of discharge, the doctor still says this is not end of life, no need for hospice. I am going nuts. I am so frustrated about this. They get home. That afternoon, someone from the hospital calls and says, your mom's medical record was flagged. We think she might be qualified for palliative and hospice care. Would we be able to send someone in your house to your house just for Mm -hmm. you to learn about the program? Thank goodness, right? Thank goodness. That's what I see as a benefit with Humana. They're going to flag so that... The doctors yep. have to suggest hospice at a, an appropriate time and not right. delay the conversation and not wait until it's too late. Right. With my parents, right. they, have a, they have a Medicare Advantage plan. They have hmm. Aspire, which is a palliative care program yes. as part of their right. benefits. In 2015, yep. they both were, oh, my heavens, you, you name it, it went wrong. They both received a visit from the palliative care nurse through Aspire. Now, they actually graduated from the palliative care program. They're doing better. But I will tell you, when my mom had a UTI and we were so tired of going to the hospital, the Aspire nurse was really helpful about making sure we could do everything in their apartment. It was phenomenal. It was great. And I I see that as another advantage for Humana having a hospice organization. It's that. It's bringing in that personal touch. Yes. Well, and you know, Aspire was just purchased by Anthem, which is another. Were they really? Yeah, yeah, another Medicare Advantage uh, company. Um, And, um, uh, you know, I love to see just, and those are such good examples. That's so helpful for people to understand. Denise, for, for the for the um, un, 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 uninitiated, what why would they? What's the deal with potassium? What is it? What happened there? <laughs> oh, they were just she was dehydrated, and they were just trying to um, hydrate her, and she hadn't been oh eating, so they <laughs> because she hadn't been eating or drinking because she was dying, and right. they just right. did not look at it as end of life. They looked at it as oh my gosh. Her daughter hasn't been feeding or eat or, or giving her fluids. You know what else the doctor said to oh my, God. my colleague at, on discharge day? You need to give your mom ground beef. She needs protein. I said <gasps> to my colleague, can your mom even stomach ground, ground beef? Is she even going to be able to digest the grief from ground beef? And oh she said, my God. no, of course not. I said, Oh, oh, I was just, I was beside myself. I was beside myself. It's so 
frustrating, so frustrating. And I think of Aspire as being one of the true success stories within our space. And I actually connected with one of the investors into Aspire at oh, a meeting. Bill, Bill, oh. Senator Bill Frisk, uh, by chance. It was someone who is connected with him. And it was He's a young wonderful. man, which I thought, yes. I love Senator Frisk. You know, and he actually just just to connect the dots and make everybody feel better about things. um, He is also (laughs) part of the. He participates as um, um, a principal decision maker in um, at the bipartisan policy center here in Washington D.C., where he does a lot of work together with Senator um, Tom Daschle, former Senator Tom Daschle, and two of them have been working together on long-term care financing reform and both, you know, spoke very eloquently about the need for better finance. The very thing that I was just talking about in the context of honor, Bill Frist has actually been sort of out front and speaking to the need for that. So at the same time that I, he has undoubtedly just made an enormous amount of money selling Aspire to Sam you know, he, um, you know, but in promoting that as an important, you know, kind of part of the, of the um, healthcare delivery system, he's also advocating for better financing systems and better government, um, you know, payment for care. So he's a hero, um, and I love him. <laughs> and we want people to make money in this space. I want to make money in this space. It's right. important that people come into this space and make money. We don't want more pivots. We want successes. We want successes because that breeds more right. success. And right. I want to mention something exactly. else about Aspire. The reason that my parents connected with Aspire is because their Medicare Advantage program, and it's Aetna, actually, kept calling them and saying, you qualify for Aspire. You qualify for more help. Call us and we'll give you more details. And my parents mm-hmm. did not tell me they were getting these phone calls. And when I mm. found out, I said, oh, my gosh, we need to find out what this is. This is help. We need to get it. Let's get it. And then we got yep. it. And it was great. It was great. <laughs> and so my mantra to my parents from now on, which they still don't actually take to heart, is if someone offers help, say yes. Say yes. And for my dad, <laughs> I say, if someone offers you help and a pain med, take it. Say yes. It's a good thing. <laughs> Because he doesn't, <laughs> and then it's just a disaster. Okay, this was great. This is so fun. This is okay. So last fun. thoughts. And what are your last yeah. thoughts? Oh, um, well, my, you know, I think that as caregivers, we have to, um, you know, we have to speak up for what we what we need and what we want with with all of the different organizations that we're involved in and it's easier said than done, I know, but, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's on us too, I think to some degree to kind of, um, to be clear about how the system is failing and what we needed to do better, mm-hmm. um, with our representatives, um, with our senators and, um, you know, you know, I don't know how we're going to take care of all of these, older adults in the next decade if we don't have more of a moral compass about what it is that we're trying to do. Yeah. 
I agree. Susan, last thoughts? You know, the moral compass is, is, is a big point, I think, to be made. And that when I read the Humana article, I was so frightened by some of the things, that, some of the abuses of some of the um, organizations that they were taking over. Um, and thinking, is, is no one have a heart in these places um, where, you know, where um, people being helped into an early death with extra morphine and things? And my hope is that we will start to get to that where, you know, where, where, where um, those things will, will be part of the plan. <laughs> and maybe, maybe the plan will do plan. that. And, um, you know. <laughs> right. and I love the, and yeah. I love that we added, we ended with both you guys. I always feel like I learned an awful lot. And then we ended on a message of hope because I think without that, what you know, we can, we can put, put, punch, punch holes in, in the system all day long, but you guys are part of the solution. So. You know yeah. what else I think? We are all part of the solution by where we use our dollars. And it's not yeah. only our dollars, but how we use our word of mouth. I think yep. about honor. We, their, their consumers use their word of mouth through the reviews. If it had been a, a different experience, the outcome would have been different. We can really make an impact on what works and what doesn't. And it's important for us to know that. If you're using something that works, support it. And you can support it by telling people about it on social media, recommending it to support group members, you know, members of your daughterhood circles. Make sure that what's working for you keeps working. And you can do that through buying the service and telling other people about it too. That makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Wow. This has been very inspiring. You've inspired me. Yes. Denise, as always. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. It is really just like we're sitting in the same room. We are not. I know. It I feels know. like that. It's so fun. It's so fun. We're not as and I wonder, not so clearly the beginning with the brownies. We are not in the same room. Oh, yeah. Ian brought a brownie, but not for all of us, just for herself. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's okay. That's okay. okay. And I want to okay. remind our listeners that we do meet for this podcast once a month. We talk about what's in the news, and how it affects us as consumers within the space and as family caregivers. Ann and Susan, thank you guys so much. Happy 4th. Have a great holiday. You too. You thank too. You All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.